Welcome to the Yes Collective podcast. The Yes Collective is an emotional health studio run by the best therapists and psychologists around. Our team focuses on cutting edge approaches like internal family systems, somatic therapies, authentic relating, and trauma-informed experiential group practices. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook to learn more. I'm Justin Wilford, PhD, Director of Content and co-founder of Yes Collective. And each week I join my host, Jenny Walters, licensed therapist and co-CEO of Yes Collective to bring you the most amazing cutting edge therapists, psychologists, coaches, and other leaders in emotional health. Thanks so much for joining us and be sure to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. Have you ever been told you're too sensitive, too dramatic, too shy, or you think too much? Do you often feel overwhelmed and aren't sure why? What if all your sensitivities were just untapped resources for living a more connected, creative, and thriving life? Welcome to life as a highly sensitive person or HSP. I had some inclination that I was born with a more highly sensitive nervous system than the average person, but I mostly blocked it out. I found ways to cope, ignore, avoid, and just mask this sensitivity until my wonderful co-host, licensed therapist, HSP expert, and co-CEO of Yes Collective, Jenny Walters, introduced this concept to me over two years ago. And guess what I did? I blocked it out again. And I kept going on with ignoring, avoiding, coping, masking, but thankfully, our team at Yes Collective decided it was finally time we did a four-week live studio circle on Ginny's expertise in HSP. Let's explore how she works with HSPs all the time to unlock their potential. So we're calling this studio circle The Sensitive Uprising, How to Thrive as a Highly Sensitive Person. So it might have sounded a little cheesy, actually, when I said unlock your potential, but it's actually what she does over the course of these four weeks. And that's what she does in her day job as a licensed therapist. So HSP is not a disorder. It's just a description of what life is like when you're born with a highly sensitive nervous system. And so by learning about what it means to be an HSP and how to manage our sensitivity, we can unlock all of our potential, or we can also just call it our amazing qualities uh, that come with being HSP, like our acute awareness, our energy, our passion, our drive for meaning, our ability to deeply experience art, music, and spirituality, and so on. There's a, there's a lot of amazing qualities, a lot of amazing things that come with being HSP. And we're going to learn about all these in the four-week studio circle. Over these four weeks, we have so much planned and it's open right now. So the date that this podcast goes live, it is open in Yes Collective for all members to join. So you can jump right in. The link is in the show notes. And there's going to be a bunch more info in there as well about the studio circle. So in this episode, Jenny and I are joined by Dr. Alicia Wooth, licensed clinical psychologist. She comes on to talk with us about HSPism, HSPity. We can't call 
it HSP-ness because, well, you just heard why. So anyways, it turns out that all three of us score quite highly on HSP self-assessments. And so we got to talk about HSP, what it really means on the ground in people's lives. We got to also talk about our own personal journeys uh, as HSPs. And then we got to talk about how we're already using tools uh, that Jenny has developed and she presents and teaches us in the this four week studio circle. So if you think you might at all be a little HSP or a lot of HSP like us three, then join the Sensitive Uprising today and just tune in. Just buckle up for this amazing conversation. You're going to love it. Welcome to the Yes Collective podcast. I am Justin Wilford, uh, co-founder of Yes Collective, and I have with me today our senior executive ultra deluxe therapy team, Jenny Walters and Alicia Wuth. I'm going to just let them introduce themselves first. Today, we are going to be talking about HSP, that is highly sensitive people, because we have an amazing studio circle coming up. But I'm going to throw it over to them. Um, introduce yourselves, and then we're going to dive into it. We're going to get really deep into HSP iety or HSP ism. We discovered yesterday that we don't want to use the word um, HSP ness for obvious reasons. <laughs> Oh, Lord. I accidentally said that yesterday, just accidentally, (laughs) and and with uh, someone I work with, and they started cracking up, and I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. (laughs) We're we're 12, Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, Jenny, uh, I'll throw it to you, and then you can throw it to Alicia. Okay. Well, thank you, Justin. Uh, So, you want me to introduce myself? Yeah, just real briefly. All right. Well, my name's Jenny Walters. I am a therapist. That's one part of who I am. I happen to be someone who is just fascinated by our internal world. And so I went on to study psychology and became a therapist. And I'm the co-CEO of the S Collective here with you and the co-host of this podcast and a lot of co, a lot of co going on, uh, recovering codependent also. So we could put that in there. Um, Yes. One thing I learned about you yesterday, Jenny, is you are also an Enneagram four. Can I can I put that in there as well? Yeah, you can throw that in there. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. 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 Uh, Enneagram four, lover of dogs and uh, jumpsuits and karaoke. I don't know what else to say. I mean, highly sensitive. I mean, that's a big descriptor for me. You know, I that is oh, something that I definitely. That. You know, once I understood that was what was going on, it was a big. Uh, moment of uh, understanding. But let me throw it over to Alicia before we dive into to all things sensitivity. Thank you, Jenny. Um, that's a wonderful introduction. But yes, my name is Alicia Luth. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, which is also just one part of me. Um, and I think coming into awareness of HSP and what that means has helped me kind of deepen my understanding of why I was drawn to becoming a clinical psychologist. And going back in time, I can understand why I had such a vivid imagination and remembered things with such 
kind of acuity, at least it felt like that, an emotional town richness. And so I think coming into awareness now, especially as we're launching this beautiful studio circle that Jenny and Justin has created, has, has given me more compassion for my younger self and my current self. But in addition to that, I'm also a mom to two little girls. And I think that's timely, too, because I do see parts of myself within them. So I think understanding HSP has helped me build deeper understanding for their developing selves. Um, but yeah, I love art. I love music. Um, love creating things. I love design. Alicia, do you know your Enneagram number? You know, I don't off the top of my head, which... I should go back and do that to add that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need to we need to know the numbers now. All right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always I, panic. Yeah. Oh, you, you always panic? I I'll just leave it there. I always panic. No, I always <laughs> panic um <laughs> when people ask me to introduce myself because I think uh you know, as Walt Whitman says there are multitudes and I never know which one to uh, I don't know if you guys feel that when you when you have to give an introduction. Well, even I mean, the more I seat myself in the world of internal family systems, the the harder it gets. It's like, oh, which yeah. which part? You know, which of these dozens of parts would <laughs> would you like? Well, to Well, yeah. Well, and I'm sitting here with you two who are friends. So it's like, do I do a professional introduction? Do I which you know which which part do I put forward? Um, and then I'm noticing right now, I feel very vulnerable and insecure about the introduction I gave. So there's that. So this oh, is a very oh, HSP is, moment. Yes, right exactly. Right exactly. <laughs> Which then can just lead us right into the main, or at least the first question that we need to answer. What is HSP? Can you give us a definition, maybe a little background, a little history? I'll do my best. Um, so about 30 years ago, a therapist, a psychologist named Elaine Aaron, Dr. Elaine Aaron, started to put together a pattern of experiences. I, I, I don't want to use the word symptoms because HSP is not a disorder, but just noticing a certain theme among her clients and in herself that she got really curious about um, and discovered that there were other researchers and psychologists that were also curious. And uh, together they started to uh, understand that there is uh, something called sensory processing sensitivity in people. And that in about 20% of the population, although I've actually heard this number might be higher recently, I've heard it might be as high as 30%, that about 20%, 20 to 30% of the population possess this sensory processing sensitivity. So she coined the phrase highly sensitive person as a way to describe the people that she was working with and to help others have a way of identifying, oh, that might be me. They went on to do brain scans and found that certain parts of the brain were more activated than in the rest of the population. And these had to do with higher numbers of mirror neurons, different parts of the brain that light up around processing information. And what they found is, and I'm not a scientist, if you can't already tell, but uh, basically, this is, this is just very layman's terms, but basically what they found is that um, there's a deeper and more intense 
kind of processing going on in the brain of a highly sensitive person. And what this means is that we are clocking all of our sensory, uh, all of the input that's coming in, in all of the different ways we take in input um, and, and sense things that we are processing it intensely and more deeply in the moment. And we are also, this is also unique to HSPs, we're also at the same time joining it with information we've processed from the past. So we've got like a double processing happening all the time. So the other things that they've discovered is that HSPs can be um, very sensitive to all of the, you know, lights, um, sounds, sights, sounds, smells, taste, touch. Um, but also energetically quite sensitive, um, absorbing uh, in more of these kind of energetic and unconscious ways, and also more empathic, which has to do with the the amount of mirror neurons going on, and it, you know, in terms of being able to kind of um, tap into and sense what's going on around us all the time. Uh, so it's a lot of information that we're taking in and clocking in a world that isn't especially in America, in the United States, it isn't really culturally set up to um, honor sensitivity. And the joke I always make is all you have to do is look at the lighting in our public schools, which is <laughs> fluorescent and overhead. And I mean, it was, I mean, I remember as a kid just ugh, hating it in there. And just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So sensitivity to lighting then is, is definitely an HSP trait, right? It can be, yeah. And certain HSPs um, experience their sensitivity in unique ways. So, whereas lighting for me is is a is a big one for another HSP, it might not be as big. It may be something else, or it might be lighting and something. Else. I mean, I I can be sensitive to a lot of different sensory inputs, but so that's kind of a working definition or understanding of what HSP is. And I will say that a lot of folks who are HSP don't know it, grow nope. up in environments or grew nope. up in environments that didn't know it or didn't understand it, and also might be the children of HSP. So in my family, it turns out everyone is HSP save for one person. I haven't, I did, wasn't able to give my dad the HSP assessment before he passed away. I'd be so curious um, if he was HSP, but I know my mom was, and I know my mom was um, overwhelmed. And I think you know, when we have a part of ourselves that we don't understand or really like, when we experience that in someone else, we really don't like it. And so I think there was a lot about my sensitivity that was um, mm, confusing yeah. and upsetting to the other HSPs in my family and then also to me. And so kids that grow up in environments um, where it isn't understood and it isn't, they don't, they don't, uh, they're not taught how to understand it and manage it. and um, appreciate it. They, there's what's called the, uh, the exponential differential that children are twice as likely HSP kids are twice as likely to develop things like depression, anxiety, OCD, these kinds of symptoms that emerge, uh, and when you're in an environment that isn't supportive. So, so if you take a kid without HS, who is an HSP and a kid who is the HSP kid is twice as likely to have an adverse reaction to that non-supportive environment. Yeah. Um, so as you can imagine, as therapists, this is really important information because HSPs are also a lot more likely to end up in therapy because we tend to be very internally 
interested and focused. We also tend to develop these things like anxiety and depression. And so the two bring us into an introspective place of, you know, the therapy room where uh, we're going to go and try and find answers. So it's really important for therapists to know about this because chances are half of your clients are HSP, (laughs) you know, like with me, it's like, I, and I didn't know it. I didn't know it about myself and I didn't know it about my clients. And it's just been such a help to understand it. What do you think the percentage would be of all therapists who are HSPs? I I mean, I bet it's high. I don't know, but there are a lot of, I mean, I'll bet it's it's like any profession. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I would say, I I would say, I mean, I'll say in my practice, I think all but two are HSP and there's 11 of us. Yeah, I think I think that's probably pretty representative of the population of therapists yeah. as, as a whole. Yeah. I first want to ask the question, why does it matter? So you said it's important for you to understand or it's, it's important for therapists to understand, you know, so they can better understand their clients. Why is it important for others to like, why is it important, you know, for HSPs to understand that this, that they are HSPs? Well, I think anytime we have more self-awareness, life gets a little easier to navigate. But in terms of high sensitivity, it creates such an intense internal experience, especially when you're unknowingly putting yourself in or experiencing high arousal is what we call it, being overly stimulated and, and getting into a state of what we call overwhelm. It's an incredibly intense experience and it can be, and it can cause a lot of suffering. And when you don't understand what's going on, um, I can speak for myself and just anecdotally, what I've noticed in clients is there is a lot of self-blame, which is what children do anyway, right? We, we put ourselves at the center of it and believe that we are the cause of it. And so when you're having these intense experiences and you're looking around and, and the majority of other people are not experiencing things as intensely as you are, the question that gets formulated or got formulated for me is what is wrong with me? Yeah. That there was an inherent wrongness that I carried with me for the first, you know, 38 years of my life, just believing something was just just not right. And I was doing it wrong. And what, and I was, and I was, we'll talk about this later, but I had so many parts, I had so many parts and I still do have parts that just really hated this about myself. Uh, but when you come to understand that this is how you are wired, you, I, it's biological. I cannot help this about myself. What a relief and what a validation. And then I've got an opportunity to talk with other people who experience this and find community and validation in that, I can start to find some self-love and self-acceptance, which always makes suffering go down. And then just makes you a better, you know, citizen, (laughs) frankly. So (laughs) I think that's why it's important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have some thoughts for myself. Like it matters because I think there's so many valuable aspects to being an HSP. And I think the more I have understood um, what it means to have all of these HSP traits and have to essentially have a nervous system that is more highly tuned, I can lean in to all of the really positive aspects to it. 
And so, that I, yeah, so for me, I would say the thing that matters the most for me is, is learning about it helps me own all of the positive aspects. And then I am more able to lean into those. And then one other thing that comes up is then learning, especially about the overwhelm and learning about the aspects of self-care that as someone with a very highly tuned nervous system, I need to really be sure that I take care of myself because I will experience overwhelm and then burnout. And then I'm, I'm just a total wreck. And then mm -hmm. I can't lean into all of the good aspects of HSP, IED. And so, uh, yeah, so I think, I think this is super, super important. And we're going to talk a little bit later about uh, how a person might be able to assess, gauge if they are, if they have these HSP traits and if uh, the studio circle that we're doing would be a good fit for them. Um, well, so Justin and Alicia, I, my understanding is you both recently came into awareness about your HSPosity. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, can you talk? Can you share about that? Yeah, Alicia. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think you know, hearing you speak about your history, Jenny, it resonates because I think. For a long time, I've always thought of myself having a tendency towards anxiety is how I had framed it, having a tendency towards just having this rich inner world and remembering things with so much detail. And from an early age, realizing that wasn't the norm because having friends tell me, like, how do you remember all of this? Like, I don't remember anything. Like, how do you remember the, the level of colors and sounds and how people framed things? Mm. Um, and I think recently, hearing about HSP gave me a new framework of actually leaning into it rather than this tendency towards anxiety is more as this is how I'm wired. Like this is part of my innate being. It is like in every cell and it is a part of how I view my world. And I can't necessarily turn it off. Right. And I don't mm -hmm. want to turn it off either because it's brought me to becoming a clinical psychologist. And I think like you both have said, there's superpowers within it when we can hone it in certain ways. And with that finding ways, and I think it's also given me um, clarity of why I like to create a moments of silence for myself during mm -hmm. the day. Like I need that. Like I need a time to reflect by myself, a time to just be. And I'm, it's not an introversion. Like that's never resonated with me. It's more like a, cleansing like i need it mm -hmm. to it's, it's a, like, like a therapeutic tool really um yeah and I, need, and I think it's taken the shame out from me first because for some time i somehow thought that was bad um and i know cognitively it's not bad but it has felt like that at times yeah there are so many micro moments of of shame I was, I was remembering when I went to Lollapalooza when I was 19, I think it was like the first or second Lollapalooza. That's because, <laughs> yeah. you know, because oh. uh, Gen X in the, the in the yeah. hizzle. Um, and I remember how um, miserable I was and uncomfortable. Sir, I would, I just do not like big crowd. I just, I was so uncomfortable physically and, and just how ashamed I was that I was this young 
you know, that I should love music festivals. And this was a new thing, you know, like from, I'd never been to one before and it was, you know, it was this cool thing and just how ashamed I felt that I didn't want to be there and that I was, I just didn't like it. And, and that I didn't continue going and just little moments. I can just think of hundreds of these like little tiny moments of just feeling bad about how I'm wired, who I am. Wow. That brings me back to I just re- recently reflecting on th- this high sensitivity. I realized like, oh, this is why in high school, uh, at the beginning of my junior year, when I smoked cannabis for the first time, I fell in love with it because in some way it allowed the high sensitivity to be buffered. And as you mentioned, the concerts, like I, I, I couldn't go to a concert unless I had cannabis, alcohol. I had to be buffered in some way. For example, I, I don't love going to live sporting events. I like, I love sports, but live sporting events like all too much. I can't concentrate on the game. It's, it's just, it's just yeah. overwhelming. So now I'm, now I'm um, reflecting like, oh, my substance use as a young person yeah. was so much about dealing with my high sensitivity. Well, and I think that that's not an uncommon experience for HSPs that don't understand that about, don't understand their HSP is we all find these different coping strategies and we don't even realize that's what we're doing. So for me, it was just dissociation. <laughs> that was my coping strategy. I just would completely cut off from, from, oh. I, I just would float into space and just leave. I, now that I'm aware of it, I just, I don't do it as often but the the consequence of that is that I need to I, I my tolerance level has gone down for certain things. You know, I had to go to a mall the other day. It was an outdoor mall, which is always better for for me. But anyway, I had to go, and and I I think I, I wasn't you know I wasn't dissociating. I wasn't like just zoning out. And I was like, I got have got to get out of here. It was like thirty thirty minutes in, and I was like. I had more errands to run, but I was like, I can't, I just got to go. I can't, I just cannot. It's just too much. The music and the people and the, anyway, I know a lot of people that hate malls who aren't HSP though. So maybe it's just, a mall thing, but, um, yeah. So, and Justin, for you, you, it's, isn't it fairly recent that you put this together for yourself? Gosh, it was a couple of years ago. I think that you had introduced this HSP concept into my life. I think it was maybe on the very, one of the very first, yes, or yeah, at the time, the family thrive, but when, when one of the very first podcasts that we, we'd ever done together. And as you were describing it, and I think Audra, uh, my partner was on the show as well. And she, I think we both were like, Oh, this is, this is Justin. Like what you're, what you're talking about here is Justin. And yeah. Um, yeah. And and so then I think it was like a couple days afterwards, I was like, whoa, that HSP thing is, man. And then I forgot about it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know. Um, and then I think, it, yeah, then it's been only recently. So I, in preparing the HSP Studio Circle, which we'll be launching very soon, I, did, I just dove into all of the training work that you had done, all, all of the things that you wrote about it. And then I took an HSP self-assessment and I scored really high on it. And we might share our scores. <laughs> so I scored an 83. I, I think in 
I, I think it was an 83 out of 100. And, um, and so I was like, all right, well, definitely. And then we, as of this recording, we have been in the moving process for like three, this is probably coming up on three weeks, four, I think a month of just in this process of moving. And it's been so hard on me. It's like, I've just, this was so draining and overwhelming and just, I feel frazzled. And so during this, this time, learning more about what it means to be HSP, what it, what it means to have a highly sensitive nervous system. It has helped me so much to understand why I feel so terrible yeah, <laughs> throughout this yeah, entire yeah. move. And it's been really validating like, oh, it's not just that I'm an asshole. It's not that I'm weak. It's not that I have some sort of childhood trauma around moving, you know, it's like, I, I, I think I could try to find all these. And it's like, no, like not ha having a settled environment, having constantly things moving and every day, like I'm going to have to find a different place to sleep or, or a different place to put my clothes or, or, or all this work yeah. going on outside um, has been really hard, but it's been so validating in just in this last month learning about high sensitivity. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I think is kind of the first step. I mean, there's, there's certainly the superpowers, which there's so much about it that I, I love, I, you know, and then there is the shadow that is, um, when it's, when it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's really bad. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just that overwhelm is really intense. Yeah. Right. I mean, to be that, sensitive um yeah it's like when it's when it's good uh where we, we can be so tuned in we can we can see these subtle wonderful beautiful things i i really believe the the reason why i asked about the therapist things i mean it makes a lot of sense for a bunch of reasons but i i don't know if one can be a really good a really high quality in almost any care profession without having a highly tuned nervous system. So you can sense the energy, you can pick up on the subtleties, you can, you can, you know, see yeah. things that other people well, might not see. I know some really amazing therapists who aren't HSP. So I'm not going to say that you have to, you know, that it, it one okay. Okay. means you yes. have to be the other, yeah. but, um, but I think, cause I'll tell you one of the things for HSP therapists is, I actually have to, it, in my practice, I have a group practice um, and I do a lot of training and con con consultation with therapists. And since most of them are HSP, a lot of it is I am actually trying to get them to dial back their empathy mm. because they are taking on way too much and they are getting overwhelmed and it's burnout. You know, it's like we're just headed to burnout city. And so it's a blessing and a curse, you know, I mean, there's yeah, something really, yeah. really powerful about it. And then there's some things where it's like, you know, I'm thinking of like the old eighties movie of Superman when he was first training. And it was just like, you know, he's like his own strength. He doesn't know his own strength and he's like destroying things accidentally because he's throwing things too hard. You know, he doesn't have the control <laughs> of the, of the yeah. power yet. And right, I think that right, that's right. true for a lot of developing HS, you know, therapists who are HSP is like, you can't go into a room every single day, multiple times a day and just be an empath sponge. Like you just mm -hmm. cannot do it. It no. is not sustainable. Alicia, what are your thoughts about this high sensitivity being particularly um, beneficial for therapists? 
Yeah, I mean, I I agree with what Jenny said. You know, I, I don't, I certainly don't think like if you're not an HSP, you don't have a gift within the therapy room. But I do think that you do have a tendency towards really feeling the thing, right? Whatever is happening within the room. And that's something that I've had to be really mindful of, of like, to what degree am I feeling this? And to what degree is it helpful for the person in front of me, right? Because I think, um, like you said, dialing that down or creating some distance also helps you have greater perspective of other ways to help this person in front of you, right? Rather than just being absorbed within them, within this trauma. But that being said, I think, I think there's tremendous gifts in it, in, in having this high level sensitivity. It's come to me only recently to kind of deal with the shame part of the sensitive part. So clearly I still have to do some work there, but I do think, you know, throughout our culture and society, it hasn't always been a good thing to be called a sensitive person, right? Even if it's a fact. And so I think there's still work to be done, which is why I'm hopeful that this class will be, give people more, more insight, more awareness into themselves and, and to their partners or to their loved ones that, that have this tendency towards a sensitivity. Um, I did have my husband take the self-assessment the self-assessment, yeah, that it's through the studio circle. And he scored way lower than me. And of course, I asked him with his permission if I could share this. But it totally made sense. And I was like, this is why I respond to sound in a certain way. And and you're like, oh, it's fine. No big deal. Yeah. So yeah. I think it also creates clarity within relationships too, right? Because mm. when you're in it, like Jenny said, it's it can feel at times like, why is no one else responding this way? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there goes with like neurodiversity and diversity as a society. And, and it's okay if no one is responding in the same way, but it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you as an individual. Yeah. I would say that the understanding that my wife now has about this, about me has been incredibly healing for me. Um, I, I, I have a story that I share about this if I may, just cause I think personal stories like illustrate things better, but a, a couple of things happened around where I was actually in my own therapy and my therapist, uh, who was great, but it was in the early days of COVID or in the middle of COVID. And so we were on zoom and she wasn't used to doing therapy on zoom. She's, you know, um, had been a therapist for 40 years and this was new. So she would kind of sometimes bop in and out of the screen like she just, just, she would just get up and like get a Kleenex or, you know, and it startled me. I have a really intense startle response. Do you guys have that as an HSP? Do you startle really easily? I do startle easily actually. And that's actually been something really clarifying. For yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think I do. Mine, mine is like delayed. Like I won't startle and then it will take a little while and then my system will start to freak out. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, it's like <laughs> yeah. a delayed startle. Anyway, so <laughs> that's something that I've that um I've not I've I've masked a lot in my life and I don't like it about I haven't really particularly liked that. I don't like the way startle and when I'm startled, I really don't like the way it feels because I really want to just burst into tears. It's that kind of immediate surge of overwhelm in my system. But anyway, so every time my therapist would bop out of the screen, it would startle me. 
and confused, you know, and I would have this kind of emotional response and I just never said anything. And then one day I was noticing that I wasn't feeling very connected to her. This was happening over a period of time. And, and my friend was like, you know, asking about if she understood high sensitivity and she's like, you know, and I described this and my, ther- my friend who's a therapist was like, you need to tell her, you know, and I was like, okay. So I went in and I told her what was happening and she stopped and she said, you know, Jenny, your sensitivity really matters to me. And if there's something I can do, I'd like to do it. So maybe if I let you know, I'm going to move with that help. And I just burst into tears because no one has ever, ever, ever said to me, your sensitivity matters to me ever. And it was so, I'll never forget that moment. So I went home and I told my wife about it. I was like, this thing happened in therapy and it was like so validating and just meant so much to me. And it was just a simple moment, but oh my God, I just felt so okay in in my sensitivity. And my wife was like, huh, you really do startle easily, huh? And I said, yeah. And she's like, so when we're driving and you're like shrieking and grabbing the handle, you're not backseat driving me. You're actually scared. And I said, yeah. And I've only been trying to tell you this for 12 or 13 years. I'm like, yes, I'm not backseat driving you. I'm actually startled and scared that this car is going to come in. And it, so it cleared up this tension that we've had, you know, for so many Mm. years in the car where I work really hard to mask my startle response when we're driving because I don't want her to feel like I'm backseat driving. And now she understands it's not about her. That's been so lovely (laughs) to just have Mm. that understanding and her to not make up a story about it, about her and me not to feel like I have to hide what's happening Um, yeah. So I think you're absolutely right, Alicia. I think it can really be powerful in relationships to understand, to understand this. I mean, I so appreciate you sharing that story because the driving totally resonates and I'm just getting that right now. Like I have clarity around, because I totally do that in the car. And for a a long time, I have poor depth, depth. I do have poor depth perception. So I've kind of said it's to my poor depth perception. Like I perceive things to be closer than they really are. But that actually, I think. <laughs> they all get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Share with Ross. <laughs> right. So Jenny, you brought up this term masking and we talk a lot about masking in the sensitive uprising studio circle. I wonder if you can define that a little bit more. And then I would love to hear from, I mean, you gave an example of your own masking. I would love to hear a little bit more about what masking has been like for you and Alicia as well. Sure. So masking is a term that I think folks um, who identify as neurodivergent understand. And it, it's basically a coping strategy for hiding, masking your neurodivergent traits. So for HSPs, which there's, con- you know, there's controversy about whether or not HSP is considered neurodivergence, but there's definitely masking going on with HSPs. And so what it means is to be pretending you're not having the experience that you're having. So the startling is a good example. I can think of an example. I was in a car with uh, friends. We were on a road trip and um, someone was playing a song 
And it was just a particularly grating song. It was just, and I think the sound, the, the sound quality was bad and the recording was bad. And I was in the back seat and I, it felt like nails on a chalkboard. I was just, you know, and I didn't want to be, I didn't want to ask for anything. I didn't want them to turn it. You know, I didn't want to be that person finger, you know, air quotes. And so I masked, I just pretended I was fine, but inside I was very, very uncomfortable. And then eventually it, what the song went on forever. And I was like, can you, would it be okay if you turned it down just a little? And so that's an example of masking. And so this is a lot of times masking is very unconscious until this gets named. And then we can start to, we can start to see all the ways we mask every single day. Sometimes masking is really helpful because sometimes we do need to tolerate things and we can, but it's nice when it's conscious because then we can make a choice about masking as opposed to just unconsciously trying to assimilate and deny our experience. It's not all bad, but it is something that, you know, when we have awareness around, it's kind of like this dissociation for me. It's like, it's not a bad thing. Sometimes dissociation is great and very helpful tool. It's just, I like to know when I'm going into it and as opposed to just unconsciously drifting away all of the time. So, but I, how would you go, what, tell me about your experience with masking, Alicia, do you? Yeah, no, I mean, I appreciate the examples because those definitely have come up for me. I feel like with now with conscious awareness, I know that I may stay like in a social situation, like at dinner when I'm like for longer periods of time, when really I might have been ready to go. 30 minutes ago, but I don't want to kind of disrupt the flow because I am enjoying the conversation. I am enjoying the company, but I am noticing that my nervous system is feeling tired. It's feeling depleted. It's feeling like low resourced. And so I think now just with the awareness of leaning into that and being okay with leaving, right? Do you notice at dinner parties or at gatherings that you get, that you at a certain point stop participating, like you become much more of an observer? Yes. Yeah. Just as you do. Oh man. No, it's like I've got a battery and it's like, okay, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm done. Unless okay, I, I don't know if this is for either of you. If I can get into a deep conversation that is really fulfilling to me, yeah, I can I can go a lot, but I can't, yeah. I mean, if it's the small talk, I've got a battery. Yeah. Totally. I'm so glad you wrap that up, Jenny, because yes, that's totally true. Cause I do notice. I become more quiet and it's not that I'm not enjoying it. It's, I right. think it's just related to like, Oh, it's because I'm not enjoying it. No, I, I like, <laughs> I just, I like, Oh, this I, I, I only have so much energy for small talk. I, and, and then, and then I'm, and then I'm done. Yeah. Well, sometimes I'm enjoying it and sometimes I'm not, it can depend on the company or like, sometimes we, we like to, um, I, I feel like I sound like a 90 year old. I'm like, we like to play cards, but we like to play, we do we like to play cards. Um, right. and, um, I will, I will, I'm enjoying playing cards, but I will be very quiet. There, there'll be a point where I get to the, uh, the, the observation part of the, the, the night and I will just be it really quiet. And this is another great example of it being wonderful that your partner understands because it used to be that Tina would think, what's wrong? Are, why, why are you unhappy? What's, what happened? Did something, you know, and I yeah. would feel bad about the fact that I wasn't being more participatory. And now I just know I'm spent. I'm just, that's it. I, I'm, I'm over. I'm, I always use the, 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 the metaphor of like a, a saturated sponge. It's like, I just get filled up and there's no, there's no room for anything else. And I can't 
I, I have a harder time functioning. And it's not personal, you know. It doesn't mean that I don't like you or I don't want to be here. It might mean I, I don't want to be here. It might be ready that I'm I'm ready to go home. But but anyway, so that's just been a point of more self acceptance too for me, just like noticing it and being like, oh, that's okay, just how I'm wired. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think for me, you know, in in social situations, um, when maybe I can't leave, right? Maybe it's a family reunion and it's going on for days. The quietness has become um, kind of a, a check-in for me of like, I need time away for a moment, right? And I think, you know, these are things that like I've talked with patients about and normalizing it, but I think also having the practice of doing it for myself in the moment has been huge, right? And knowing like, this is a way that I can still remain connected and tied in, but I also have to disconnect for a moment too. To, to maintain that. Yeah. I, and that's wonderful that you know that about yourself. I, that, that I too, and I think this is true for HSPs. We need, um, quiet, unstructured time where we can just be with ourselves and anything can happen. We don't have to do something. We don't have to complete a task. We can just, you know, I love what you were saying earlier about just kind of a cleansing. Um, and I have to say that, and we'll get into this in the studio circle, cause we're going to start to talk to the parts of us and, and see how the parts feel about our sensitivity. That has been really challenging for me in partnership because I'm married to someone who, um, is wired differently around, um, being together is, is, is what feels best. And even though she's been very understanding and is always like, go do your thing. I feel based on my own past and my own attachment trauma and all that, I have a hard time when I make up a story that I'm disappointing someone, when I'm doing something different than what they want to be doing. And so when I sense that Tina wants time together, but I really need my alone time that it gets really confusing for a lot of parts inside. And so this is a place where my sensitivity is intersecting with my parts and trauma and my relationship. And it gets like, oh, you know, but what I know happens if I don't take that alone time consistently, it's not good for anyone. And it's not good quality connecting time because I'm, I'm asking, I'm not really, I really am not fully present. So there's a complexity to it that I think each of us needs to unpack around the ways in which we shy away from taking care of ourselves. Um, so I love that you highlighted this complexity because I think that's one of the one of several really unique things that we're doing in this studio circle. As far as I know, I'm pretty clued in to what's going on in the world of internal family systems. And I don't think there has been a synthesis or a meeting between the internal family systems approach and the work on HSPs. And so I think we are really doing something new and innovative here. And what I love is that we're not saying that there are highly sensitive parts. We're saying that we have highly sensitive nervous systems and our parts are reacting to the high sensitivity. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a really important distinction. And I found in my own, I'm currently doing um, internal family systems therapy for myself as a, as a client. And I have found that when, when, when there's been talk of the sensitive part of you, it has just, it just has not resonated for me. But when the sensitivity is understood as more of just a baseline foundation of of how I'm wired. And then the part are in reaction, in response, in relationship 
to that sensitivity, some more than others. That's been really helpful to understand and also to help the parts understand about my sensitivity. Like some of them need to be updated of like, hey, yeah, this is not something I can change, especially the ones that really don't, the parts that really don't like it about myself. We're having to have conversations of just like, you know, this is just how it is. So how are we going to work together? Absolutely. And I think hearing that, Jenny, like what comes up for me is why the studios, why I'm so excited about the studio circle is, is it's really allowing us to see ourselves in our entirety and our, and accept ourselves for who we are and, and not feel like we need to fundamentally change ourselves, but we're really increasing self-awareness, increasing understanding and increasing really like the love that we have for, for ourselves and for other people. Yeah. Who, who identify this way. Yeah. Right. And I think what I'm excited about the studio circle too, is I really want to help people understand the superpowers and, 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 and the, you know, what's possible and what's beautiful about it. And also know how to manage, like I was saying before the shadow side of it, you know, because, um, that is very real. It is very intense. If it's okay, can I take a second to just, I asked some HSPs that I know to just put into yeah. their own words, yeah. what they feel like when they're in overwhelm. And I, I want to speak to that because I think when people hear that and they're like, oh God, that, that, that is exactly how it feels and it's validating. And that is what we also are going to do a lot to get you relief around. Um, cause I know Justin, you coming out of this move, I recently came out of a move and a renovation and I was in a chronic state of over arousal for months. Yeah. And it was really, really, really hard. Um, and I know all of this stuff and I still was forgetting my tools and was beating myself up about how I was struggling. So if it's okay, I'm just going to quickly. Yeah. So one person wrote sensory overload tends to happen most intensely for me when there's also an emotionally draining component, i.e. meeting new people. If I'm already drained or starting to feel drained, everything starts to feel much more intense. Sounds are louder. Lights are brighter. And it feels like it enters straight through my brain without the normal barriers my body usually provides. Everything feels very raw and loud. If I'm not already drained, I can be more tolerant of things, at least for a little while. But I'll usually feel a bit distracted or irritated and hold tension in my chest. Noise-canceling headphones have become my best friend. When I get overwhelmed, small tasks or decisions feel daunting. I start to feel totally saturated and like my gears are stuck. The image sound I think of the most is when a drill stops being able to spin and makes that grinding sound instead. Sometimes this makes me feel inadequate or stuck. Usually if I can get to the point of crying, I feel much better afterward. Does any of that resonate for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's such an intense physical experience and it's really hard to explain to people who don't feel this, you know, it's like, why are you, especially when your experience is so different than the non HSP person in the same situation. So, yeah. Yeah. What comes to mind for me, just hearing that is a, a deeper understanding of why I startle around sound is something mm -hmm. like uh, the shutting of the door. I experience is much louder than I mm -hmm. think the norm experiences. And it really does feel like an overwhelm. To my nervous system and we also similar are entering into construction mode within our own home as well 
and I'm noticing um, just kind of a tendency towards feeling the stimuli much more intensely than others around me. Yeah, yeah. Like the sound of like wood dropping. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing how I resonate with so much of this and I haven't experienced, I think when I, yeah, when I was in high school and a few years after, or for maybe the year after my substance use helped buffer a lot. But then after that, I recognize, I mean, all the, all this stuff, like I feel overwhelmed. I need a break. I'm, I, or I'm done with this. I'm out of here. I j- I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll just be done saturated. Yeah. I mean, that was a really great term. And I don't know if it's because of just being white male heterosis, just kind of, um, in this, it, just ha- having all of these privileged identity markers. I just, like I would just leave or I would just shut down and I wouldn't feel bad about it. That is so interesting. No, I'm glad you're bringing this up because, because I was talking with Audra about, she mentioned that, you know, she was learning about HSP, you know, via you and your experience with this move and, and ways you were taking care of yourself. And I was struck by, I was telling her, I was like, and again, I think this has to do with my own attachment stuff, but like, I really struggle. It's much, much, much better now, but I have really struggled to feel any entitlement around my, my high sensitivity and accommodating it. Very difficult for me to ask other people to make accommodations. I'm not saying that I haven't been selfish in my life and I'm not that it's selfish to accommodate, but I'm sure I've unconsciously, but, um, I just want to highlight what you the, just the term attachment there because one of uh, uh, I don't know if my mom listens to every episode or I, but um, uh, what uh, one one thing I I have discovered is that growing up I think I needed more emotional attention and affection from my mom than I got. I think how that has played out is like, it's perfectly fine for me to just go be by myself or just to check out here. And I think that's come from my, like my attachment history with my mom, where it was always okay for me to just go and be, you know, by myself. Like, yeah. I, like, like she yeah. never showed any signs of, of, of feeling, you know, abandoned by that or anything. And so it was always like, peace. I'm like, I'm, I'm saturated, you know, what is it like my drill stops being able to spin. I'm done. I'm overwhelmed. I'm out of here. And I don't feel bad about it at all. Yeah. Do you feel (laughs) bad about asking for a comment? Like, how would you feel about saying, Hey family, I need, I need y'all to turn your music down because it's too much for me. Or I please turn off the overhead lights or Oh, the lights are a big one. Yeah. But um, do you feel I any, do you feel okay? You just, yeah. Go <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I do too. I mean, in my, in my home with Tina, she knows that, you know, she's, yeah, she's no. gotten to the point where she's like, may I turn on an overhead light? <laughs> no, and I'm I mean, like, okay. this is, so this is my journey is like to actually slow down and be sensitive to how my sensitivity is affecting other people. Yeah. Or, or really affecting people who I'm close with, because if it's a person I'm not close with, I'll be much more aware about the accommodations yeah. that I'm, yeah. that I'm, you know, yeah. that's, that I'm that's a great point. And I think that's also where like this blending of IFS with HSP understanding is so unique because even listening to your stories, the part where if I'm with familiar people, I'm okay. 
with with being vulnerable because that's what it feels like and saying what I need. But mm-hmm. I think with, within larger social settings, even with friends, I have a tendency to more kind of go with the flow, even and that's another form of masking, right? When mm-hmm. in reality, I'm done, right? Yeah, yeah. Stop the flow and leave. So yeah, it's just more more wisdom, and I think that has to do more with like that people pleasing part, right? Right, the accommodating part, the part that doesn't want to, to to cause waves. And one of the you know HSP markers is a sensitivity to criticism and what other people mm, think. And I think yes. a lot of that has to do with just being in a state of of empathy and just constantly clocking what other people are yes. thinking, feeling. And so when you're formulating a sense of self, that's going to you know impact it. So. Yeah, it's interesting the little, but I think what we've described today are all the very unique ways it manifests for us. Yeah, and you can hear yeah. the nuances in it. And because we're highly sensitive, we can clock the nuances. <laughs> um, and that's what's really interesting. And so it's not a blanket, you know, but there there are some, so that's what I think is going to be cool about the studio circle is like inviting people to get more clear on their own personal, unique HSP experience and what their needs are. And then of course there are these more general things that, that help all of us who are highly sensitive. I'm very excited. I think it's going to be great. Yes. Yeah. So we normally end with three questions that we ask our guests. Uh, So today I'm just going to ask for, for us to end with just one of the questions. And so I'm going to throw a curveball here at the end. If you could put a post-it note on every HSP person's fridge tomorrow morning, what would that post-it note say? So because it's a curveball, I'll start because I, I just started to formulate it in my head. So if I could put a post-it note on every HSP's fridge tomorrow morning, the post-it note would say, your sensitivity is a superpower. Okay. That's a good one. This isn't very sexy. It's more practical, but it's just information is what I would put on. You know, that like, I guess there's something I want to do about neutralizing all Mm. of the input that we're getting so that it's less about making up these highly charged stories and assumptions. You know, that, that has been really helpful for me to create some separateness of like, it's just, it's, I guess it's kind of coming at it from the curiosity place of IFS of just like, yeah. Yeah. Like it just be curious. Don't take it so personally, you know, just mm-hmm. like, Oh, it's just information. It's information that, Oh, I need to take myself out of the situation or I need to turn that light off or, you know? Um, so that's, it's, I don't know. It's, that would be my post-it for now. Yeah. yeah. My post-it is just really simple, but it, the first thing that came to mind was like, you're okay. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Well, I am so excited to begin this studio circle. Our first live session will be on June 13th. Uh, For more information, we're going to put links in the show notes. Um, So you just go there, click on the links to learn more. And we really hope to see you in there. It's going to be an amazing four weeks. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. This was, it's always so nice to talk with other HSPs and feel so seen. I feel so seen. (laughs) And I learned more about myself today through our stories. Oh, good. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. 
Hey, if you like what we're doing here at Yes Collective Podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player, share it with other parents in your life, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes Collective is a mental health movement for all parents, so let's spread the love.